Hello and welcome to the Green Rush Podcast. I am so excited today. We have the amazing Mimi Lamb from Superette Shop, one of the dopest cannabis retail stores in Canada right now. You gotta check it out. It's so colorful, it's so vibrant, and that's why they have such a great following. Here at the Green Rush Podcast, we love to interview our mentors on our Green Rush program. We love helping people enter the legal cannabis industry, but we also like to inspire you on all the different avenues and opportunities at hand within the industry. So today we're going to be talking a lot about retail and I'm so excited to do that. So when it comes to retail, you're face to face with customers. If that's something that you're interested in, we're going to ask Mimi about what it takes to triumph a retail space in Canada. So how are you today, Mimi? How's it going? I'm doing a lot better now that I get to talk to you. Thank you for having me. Of course, we had to have you. You're so amazing and you're killing it in this industry. You're growing so quickly. And from a young millennial woman, it's so inspiring to see also a woman of color killing it in this space. So thank you so much for creating this hour so we could just talk about retail. So for the um, audience who don't know about you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I am the co-founder and CEO of Superette. We are a cannabis retail brand that makes buying cannabis as fun as consuming it. And so we've been around for a few (laughs) years now. We opened our first store in April of 2019. And since then, we have two additional stores in Toronto and really building out our presence. And what we really want to bring it back down to is community, culture, and making your buying experience truly yours. I love that. I think that you're so different within this space because we're thinking about it in different means. In terms of retail right now, there's uh, very limiting things that you can do in this space. So I can't wait to hear on that thought process of what you've done so differently in the space. But I, what I'm really curious to know is like, what even got you inspired to join this industry at all? Like, how did you even discover cannabis? What was it like for you on making that switch? I'm always interested to know that from people. Totally. I mean, I feel like I've discovered cannabis in different ways multiple times throughout my life. I still remember back in university, you know, my friends would be passing around a joint and you just took a puff because that's what you did. And I still remember like how to, it, how being taught how to inhale. Um, <laughs> I remember all the friends around me like growing their own and you just like knew someone and I just kind of, it was something that I did, but I didn't really understand it um, fully at that time. And it wasn't until later in my professional career that, you know, I was dealing with a lot of personal stress, anxiety, and I was essentially reintroduced to cannabis and really understand how, you know, this plant has so many amazing benefits and I can use it for wellness. I can use it to make myself feel better. And it really opened my eyes about the potential of cannabis. Um, and so, you know, started increasing my consumption, just really trying out what works best for me. And, you know, I really have to say, when you see an opportunity, like the cannabis industry, you know, becoming legalized, um, you know, across a country in Canada, you can't look at that and not dive right in. And so as soon as I got a whiff of like, that was really going to be a thing that it was growing beyond just the medical program, but into adult use as well. I was like, you know what? I love weed. So let's just get into it. 
That's so exciting. Yeah, exactly. Once you're like, okay, we're legalizing, you're like, what does this mean? This means opportunities for retail, for transportation, for, you know, entrepreneurship and all of those things. So I'm super career about that. So what made you want to get into the retail um, space specifically? Yeah, so cannabis in Canada is such a regulated space. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, brands... (laughs) It's, it's honestly a headache. Like there's no way to put it nicely. Like it's, it's tough for brands and products to really get their messaging out. And it likely will be for a really long time until, you know, Canada gets its back together. But, you know, retail is a beautiful intersection between product brands and the actual customers themselves. And so being able to play a role in connecting those two areas was something that, you know, is always great to be in and retail you know as a consumer of all things retail all the goods I like to go (laughs) shopping um, something that I loved and to be a cannabis retailer again it's kind of like dream come true and and to your point about you know opportunity um, kind of thought as you know I I get to carve my own path I get to do what I want to do and you know this is just what I wanted to do felt it calling And you can do it in weed, right? Like it's a win-win scenario, (laughs) right? To get a new job and also to get an entrepreneurship experience with cannabis that we love, the plant that we love so much, like exactly. And that's why I'm so happy that you're here today because in Canada, we have such a huge cannabis culture huge especially even comparison to our american friends and a lot of other countries as well um cannabis has always been smoked like it was legal (laughs) forever in cannabis and uh, i'm thankful that the community is kind of really spearheading and trailblazing what needs to happen within our industry and i'm so happy that you're here you know when it comes for sure and like sorry i didn't mean to to cut you off there but like i still remember like the most memorable experiences with me growing up and like i grew up in ottawa but for 420 on Parliament Hill in Ottawa is a situation. <laughs> um, this is something that like I can truly say, like, I'm proud to be Canada, to be Canadian and be in Canada because of that. It's awesome. Wait, I have to ask, do you think the 420 in Ottawa is bigger than the 420 in Vancouver? Um, I don't know huge. because I never, <laughs> personally never experienced 420 in Vancouver. It's on the bucket list. But right. there's something about like sitting in front of these like formal parliamentary yeah. buildings and they just be covered in smoke and it's great. <laughs> Parliament Hill. I love that. Most definitely it is. 420 in Toronto is huge as well. I think we get like 20 to 40,000 people. But I remember Vancouver just killing us with the numbers. Like it's a festival at that point. <laughs> But yeah, huge Canadian culture in cannabis is a thousand percent there. Even think of like BC Kush, um, you know, we, we're very much known for our craft cannabis, um, you know, and the thing is like, it's been such a shift for us now that we're legalizing and really forming the foundation of a new industry. How has, um, like, what has been your biggest learning curve joining this space? I think the biggest learning curve for me was just purely being an entrepreneur and building a team. So I think this is like my learnings wasn't specific to cannabis, Mm -hmm. but me as a person and as a leader. And it's, it's always like, I've always been in positions where there is someone else responsible for the ultimate decision. (laughs) Someone else is responsible for like making the call. I can do the work behind it, but you know, if someone makes a final call, it's not me. 
And to now be in those shoes has been a tremendous learning. Having to grow from just an idea to now like a team with multiple units, continuing to um, explore how far and how creative our brand can go. You know, that's learning every single day. Um, but it's also part of the fun. Um, I feel like if we were just doing things day in, day out, like this would not be fun at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's beautiful. It's such an important thing to touch on. Like a lot of people who are in the cannabis industry are doing entrepreneurship for the first time, right? And I think it's a great opportunity for us to level up and, you know, really delve into our passions, but it is a thousand percent a learning curve. So for those of you who are listening on the Green Rush program, our first full week is all about entrepreneurship, <laughs> changing the mindset of what it's been like working in nine to five to doing everything on, your, on yourself, usually as a solopreneur in the very beginning stages. It's so incredible to have that support, which we have, you know, weekly calls with all of the students on the Green Rush program as well. But I'm curious, like with the policy, like policy shifts and cannabis are happening all the effing time. It's ridiculous, right? We're like, we can do this. Okay, well, now we can't do that. Oh, we can't do that. Now we have to do this now. Right? And it's just constantly changing. So I'm curious, like, you know, how has policy affected your career in this space? Because it's definitely impacted me so much. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, everything, right? Like, if you're in cannabis and you're not thinking about regulations and policy, then are you really in cannabis? Yeah. Um, and I would say, like, there, there's so many pros and cons of, of these ongoing changes. I mean, the biggest, the biggest thing is just even starting Superette and being able to do it and, and be a legal company, you know, that first and foremost is you know, monumental. Like I literally wouldn't even be here. If there wasn't a framework for it. I think what has been extremely challenging though, is the continuous shifts in these regulations just make it really difficult to actually grow a business. Like you can't just be one of those companies that's like, this is my three to five year plan. These are all the different steps that like, I can take to make it. You can't really do that because you know, next thing you know, something changes and whatever you're thinking about not valid anymore. So it's getting used to that type of uncertainty and those types of changes has been pretty big in ensuring that all the different pieces of our business model is really, really flexible. And then ultimately, I think what has been the most important um, in growing our business amidst all the policy changes is staying true to our brand and our values as a team, because that is what's going to tide you through all these changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, most definitely. It's so important to be looking at the big picture on how it plays with every, all of those moving parts, right? For sure, because the reality is the policy changes aren't going to stop. Like it's only going to keep changing. And we see like even within Ontario, like speaking from the perspective of an operating a retail operator in Ontario itself, over the last two years, we saw it going from lotto with limited license <laughs> to another lotto to now open. And like no industry actually grows that way. And so you, you just kind of have to deal with it. And, you know, that, you know, sometimes you have to look back and just kind of laugh. Um, I mm -hmm. keep always saying like, Netflix is going to get their hands on the story at some point. They're going to make some sort of like docu-series because 
you know, I talk to my friends who aren't in the industry and they, they don't believe any of the stories that I say. I'm like, no, this is all true. <laughs> it is. It's absolutely, it's, it's satire at this point. It's like, is this actually happening? Yes, it is. Unfortunately. <laughs> and, and that's what I want to do. I, that's what I love about the podcast is really painting a picture of what our industry looks like. It's not made for everyone, but you know, it is made for people who are passionate about this plant and passionate about, you know, you um, moving cannabis to its fullest potential. It has the opportunity to change healthcare as a whole, it has an ch- opportunity to, um, you know, reverse um, environmental impacts. It has the opportunity to do so much things, but we have to, you know, show people what it's capable of. So I want you to help me paint a picture of what the switch uh, from entrepreneurship in the cannabis industry would look like compared to other industries. Like what are some things that are specific for entrepreneurs in the cannabis space that you wouldn't find in other industries? Yeah, so I, I, I do firmly believe that entrepreneurship is not the stage of a company. I think a lot of people like to think about it as like, you know, entrepreneurs are just in startup mode and then it grows to a bigger company and like, that's it. Um, <laughs> you know, my perspective is that entrepreneurship is, is truly a state of mind, is being innovative, being creative um, and working within the framework that you're given. Um, and so in cannabis, you know, some of the specific things would be kind of limitations on marketing, uh, limitations to what you can or cannot do um, with like certain ser- service providers. The access to services as a cannabis company is, you know, limited relative to if you weren't a cannabis company. And so mm-hmm. it's just dealing with the, I think, operational headaches that it's always like entrepreneurs in and startups you know, are we're always going to deal with a certain set of challenges in, in really growing and scaling their business and operations. You layer in cannabis in Canada and you're left with so many, like those challenges, but also a, an additional layer of hurdles that kind of prevent you and don't really set you up for success. Yeah. Exactly. And it's so hard to have those barriers when you're just an entrepreneur and you're probably new to this space and you don't know much and it can be so frustrating. And I think this is why entrepreneurs who enter the cannabis industry take way longer to get started than any other industry. And that's when I really took apart the Green Rush program and finding out like what were those barriers, having access to banking, <laughs> having access to insurance, having access to, you know, um, lawyers that are well um equipped and understanding of the cannabis policy. So we have all of those resources at the Green Rush program in one space. If you ever need resources, feel free to reach out. Um, But yeah, it's a thousand percent different. You hit the nail on the head. There are just some services that you're going to find so many barriers compared to any other industry, most definitely. (laughs) For sure. And I I would also have to say like to all the entrepreneurs who want to start their own cannabis business, like just remember that we're all stewards of the plant. We're here because we believe in the power of the plant. And I think about a lot of the companies that have have historically been in the space, you know, might not have had that intention. So bring it back to why you're here in the first place and don't lose sight of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because the problem is way bigger than us, right? It's it's way bigger than you and I. It's it's the plant itself, and it's been oppressed for so many generations, let alone years, um, that it's worth fighting for. Thanks for, for sharing that, because it's so, so important. My next question is, what are the biggest barriers for minorities wanting to get into the industry that you're seeing today? Yeah, I mean, a general one is 
you know, having the right conversations with the right people, it's still something that happens. So, I mean, this legal industry has very much been characterized by, you know, a select handful of people and then their buddies who just support their buddies. And mm -hmm. so like that's, that's how the, the last few years of legal cannabis in Canada has been. And so it's really hard to break into that circle and like what that impacts are, you know, first and foremost, things like capital, you know, everyone needs capital to, um, to grow a business. And I think bootstrapping is, you know, one of the best ways to do that. But if you're looking beyond that, um, you know, there are quite a few sharks out there. Um, there will be groups and larger corporations who, you know, won't give you the time of day um, because you're not in their inner circle of buddies. And so that's something to really keep in mind. But I think what is really important and what you're doing with the Green Rush program, Antoinette, and the network that you're building is creating a community that is democratizing this industry. I think that is really, really powerful and what I'm looking forward to the most. Thank you. Yeah. And like what you're saying is like the, the lack of access for minorities and the boys club and the nepotism that is huge within this industry and has been ever since, unfortunately, legalization. So with that being said, I feel like since, you know, the boys club is well and thriving, I would love to create a minority club as well, but also a for the people club for anybody, for cannabis consumers. We want to go obviously above and beyond for our people of color because we don't make up a huge um, demographic of the industry in fact we kind of just learned recently that we only make up three percent um so with that being said we're now creating scholarships for people of color in partnership with superette and mimi here so look out for those but it's important to bring our own table build our own table like you said there's so much culture and community here and we feel left out of the legal industry so how like we want to bring you guys all together so i'm excited to see what the green rush program will bring bring truly and thank you for being a part of it because it's so incredibly important it's so important and like i still remember before i joined the the legal cannabis base back in end of 2016 and everyone was talking about how all the I'm going to call them traditional industries or, you know, all the um, boys club, old white males in boardrooms and in management. Cannabis, you know, has the opportunity to be different. Cannabis mm. will have more female participants, will have more minority participants. It's going to be different. And like so many people around me were so optimistic about that. I also believed in that. I was like, of course, it's a kind of like a new space, new, mm -hmm. I mean, it's not new in the sense of like, you know, Canada has run around for a while, but like truly an opportunity to, to build the industry from the ground up differently in the legal sense. And the reality is that didn't happen. And I kind of go back to who some of those, you know, puppeteers that have been pulling the strings, they, they kind of brought back you know, what we see in other industries. And so mm -hmm. the demographic of, of this industry from a business standpoint is far, far away from like what we all kind of envision, or at least what I envisioned, you know, a few years back. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, we're definitely seeing a lot of ex-pharma, ex-police, ex-political insiders, and I don't think that really resonates with the cannabis community, <laughs> right? And there's nothing wrong with that. I think we do need a lot of expertise in the field to really legitimize ourselves and have a strong foundation. Yet, if we don't understand the culture 
and the history of this plant, we're doomed to repeat the, the, the past, right? And there has been a lot of issues within the past. I could talk about that for years. Um, but, you know, I think it's important that we have that history at the table so we can make those best conscious choices. I've learned so much about this plant from the legacy market. And I truly love sharing those stories every single day because they are so empowering. And we just got to keep doing that until we can really create this new culture whenever, you know, the government will let us have those communities, conversation and speech things that aren't so like heavily censored. But until then, what advice would you like to share for others wanting to build their own retail stores? I know that there's going to be tons of audience listeners that are interested in getting their foot through the door, but they're not really knowing where to start. Um, so what advice would you have for them? Yeah. So I, I would say, first of all, if you want to, to open up your own cannabis retail store, like that just makes me so happy <laughs> to, to think about that. Um, there are so many people who, who want to bring something to this world that's uniquely them. And so to follow on that point is, you know, create a brand and experience that resonates with you and like to some degree and I know this is completely impossible but try <laughs> to ignore what's going on in the world so if if you're not already familiar like the Ontario retail landscape is starting to get pretty crowded there there's there are pockets where there's clustering there's a lot of stores opening but if you truly bring a differentiated experience and as you know things like you know, access to product and supply uh, becomes more differentiated in the future, you can actually curate, um, you really get to stand out. And so I think about, and the analogy I always like to use is, say, for example, Toronto, no one's ever going to be like, there are too many restaurants open in Toronto now. There are too <laughs> many restaurants on the block. It's like, no, they all bring their own identity. They all bring their own offering. And so there's an opportunity for that in cannabis. So down the road, like I'd love to see, and like, again, knock on wood that, you know, the legislation actually allows for that. But like, as a consumer and as an entrepreneur, I'd love to say like, you know, a spa which has topicals or a bakery with only edibles with a convenience store that has a little bit of everything to a beverage only store. Like there's so much opportunity to create a unique experience. Um, and until that is actually doable, think about your brand identity, think about your values, think about, you know, what is it that you're trying to bring out into this world and share with your customers? I like it. That's it's, honestly, I think that's one of the greatest advice that you could possibly give, right? Is to be yourself and bring that foot forward into the industry and be niche, like be really specific on what you're bringing um, because there is that cannabis community out there that's looking to finally find those people. And we're so really bored with all of these cookie cutter <laughs> things that just do, just do everything. Right. So it doesn't matter which one we go to at this, at this point. I mean, so, that's, that was what was really important for us at Super is like we we saw a lot of spaces that were were you know just opening up and it, it they kind of felt like boxes that have product but no heart and so I think about you know back to your point about like there's so much culture behind cannabis there's so much joy and there's so much delight and so like why couldn't we have a retail experience that could give that to customers why couldn't we be loud and proud about the fact that we're in cannabis why can't we have fun with it like first and foremost like <laughs> why do we have to put things in a glass box why do we have to do any of that and so we just kind of flip down its head and say like you know we're here to have fun and we're proud of it 
I love that. I love women-owned stores um, in Toronto. They, they just do it so different. I love it. Every single one that I've checked out has been wonderful. But I'm curious, like, what's the process even like to have your own retail store and space? Like, what can entrepreneurs expect if they wanted to walk down that journey? Yeah. So if you're, you know, thinking about it, there is some prep work that you can think about. Um, I would say a lot of it has to do with administrative stuff. Um, and then there's also operational stuff. So some of the administrative things, you can go on the Alcohol and Gaming Commission of Ontario website, AGCO, um, and kind of look at what that looks like. It's relatively easy in the sense that it's all online. You can create a profile and you can submit an application. What you do have to be mindful of is you do get your entire history kind of vetted by the government before you're allowed to operate a store. So go through things like your tax returns, what you've done, um, who you're associated with, all that. And so that is something to keep in mind. Um, and then from an operational standpoint, you know, there are a lot of elements in retail, like um, having access to a property and securing it under lease, making sure that it's right for the space, making sure it falls within uh, or falls outside of the 150 meter uh, distance from a school, things like that is something to keep in mind. But also, you know, being in cannabis, um, the additional layer of security. And so I think that's something that I've had to learn a lot about. Um, it's like normal retail stores, you can have some security cameras and, and you know, call it quits. Here, it's like you have secure storage, you have cameras looking at every single angle of the store, how you store those videos and, and pictures, potentially security guard. It's just something else that, you know, normally other industries don't have to deal with as much. Yeah, a thousand percent. Security is such a huge issue. Well, it's not an issue, it's important because, you know, it's cannabis. You can only imagine how many people would love to rob <laughs> a cannabis store. Um, but, you know, it, it, security is always a really high bill, regardless if you're a retailer to an LP. So it's, it's important that, you know, you, the audience is aware of those things too. And to check out the AGCO, if you want to see what the process is like and how to get started, um, please check that out. So this has been a great conversation. And if you are really wanting to get into retail, subscribe to the Green Rush program's um, Instagram and our newsletter. We're going to be letting you guys know when we can have educational events and scholarships available to you. I'm really excited to show you guys what we're working on. So stay tuned for that. But I have a question for you. Like, what are you most excited about for joining the Green Rush program? I'm so happy to have you. You know, I'm always fangirling over you. I'm super excited to have you join us. I mean, I, I'm a mirror. I exceed those, <laughs> <laughs> that excitement. I mean, um, you've been doing so much, so many incredible things, Antoinette. And in this industry, I still remember the first time I met you when you were leading up Women Grow in Toronto and just seeing, you know, all the little, all the things that you've been doing since then is, is awesome. And the Green Rush program, you know, is, is really the cherry on top. And I think is really what we need to see in this industry you know, for, for me personally, it's like really to build that trust um, with, you know, potential participants in this industry and just demonstrate that we are supporting voices who are, who have, you know, for the most part felt like they've been left out. Um, I feel like there's a lot of distrust on either side of that equation. And so to hopefully to bridge that gap is something that I think will be really, really powerful. Um, to be able to create this, you know, retail module with you, I think is really, really exciting because there's a lot of people interested in, um, in retail. Um, and hopefully that I can share, um, you know, any of my experience and learnings to support those participants 
and also to be working alongside Vivian um, at Greenport. Um, I think that's going to be really, really fun to do. Um, having two visible minority females being able to lead this is kind of like a dream come true. Um, and so really hoping that, that we can, you know, support um, in, in the, the increasing diversity and inclusion of this industry because it's, it's so important. Yeah, thank you so much for those kind words. And I think you hit the nail on the head where it's like bridging the community um, with the industry. And I think that's like been wanted for so long and we want to figure out how we can do that because it is so muddy on both ends. But we are in this together, you know, and I think that collectively we can do so much. And, and the fact that we're doing this in a conscious mindset on creating more diversity in this industry is even more beautiful. So as you guys know, we're like, you know, we're passionate about politics. <laughs> we're here for you and we so want you guys to be a part of that journey like Mimi has said we're rolling at the table guys you guys all got to sit at the table with us stay tuned if you guys want to be involved support us join our mentor program or even be a mentor if you have a lot of experience in this industry we do pay our mentors a hundred dollars an hour hey there's not many of us in this in the space and so many of people who work at LPs have lost their job due to COVID so we want to keep supporting you we're all in this together so keep tuned for that we're going to wrap up this podcast with some rapid fire questions that we do and uh, let's get started. So what's your favorite strain and why? <laughs> Ooh, these days, uh, I'm smoking some animal face from Carmel, um, Ontario based LP, super, super tasty, easily lemony, cakey, uh, and, um, you know, quite strong, packs a punch. <laughs> That's the trick. I love that. Carmel is doing so well. They have really good genetics, I find, and their flower is so, like, great quality. I'm really happy with what they're putting out, so I'm so excited to see where that goes. And how do you like to consume? What's your go-to? Are you a bong, papers, edibles, tinctures? What are you? <laughs> so I would say joints are definitely my go-to like hands down but i would say because there's been so much innovation and so many new product formats coming into market i've started to just like do a little bit of testing and really tailoring my consumption to like how i'm feeling what i'm doing um so maybe like taking a drink before doing yoga um doing edibles while watching a movie like things like that <laughs> um it's been kind of fun to play around with it has been fun. I took um, a bath salts um, bath at Even Co last Sunday and it was so delicious. And I'm so excited to try the CBD isolate that's finally hitting the shelves. Mm -hmm. I love that. So I'm so excited about that. And our last question, as we do with all of our episodes, any last tips for our listener? Anything you want to leave with our listeners with? What should they hear? So... I don't want to be cliche and I don't want to be easy, <laughs> but I do have to say, you know, being resilient in the, in the face of uncertainty um, or when you get no's is so critical to your success mm -hmm. and really controlling your own destiny. Surround yourself with the people who believe in you. Those who don't, don't get every time. Period. Period. <laughs> exactly. It's so true. If you want to stick around with this industry, you got to be okay with getting no's. You got to be okay with things changing. You got to be okay with getting down. But hey, we just got to keep going up because like we mentioned, it's not about us. It's about the plant. It's worth fighting for, right? This industry and planet that it could build. So let's be a part of it together 
and join us. This has been an amazing episode at the Green Rush Podcast with Mimi Lamb from Superette. Thank you so, so much for being here and we'll see you all at the next one. Bye. <laughs> Bye.